And now let's look on the other side going forward uh, about what Jesus said. Uh, some have uh, named this uh, this prayer here, his high priestly prayer. I, you know, I don't much go for some of those things, but um, uh, this certainly is uh, our high priest praying. Uh, so um, uh, we'll just go with that. How's that sound? And we'll look. I'm going to back up just a little bit and read chapter number 16 some. And um, I, I do just will give you, just to make you aware uh, of the foundation that is laid in himself in the first five verses. Uh, and then he prays for his disciples down to verse 19 from 6 to 19. And then from 20 to the end, uh, he does talk about the collective body, the church. And um, so we'll see that in his great prayer that he has. Now, I believe that this is a prayer that is different from Gethsemane uh, in that he wanted them to hear what he was praying. He wanted to be an encouragement in the things that he said. So he went from proclamation to prayer. In chapters 15 and 16, they're working their way through the streets of Jerusalem on their way to the Mount of Olives. And, and uh, he's given a proclamation to abide in me. And I believe chapter 15 and, um, and deals with all those things, talking about being fruitful and uh, the Lord will purge it. And talks about how the, that it might bring forth more fruit. And uh, so all those things. And he comes to chapter 16. Uh, and is going to lead into this prayer that is more in detail, again, uh, so that those that were by him would hear what he was praying. And then Gethsemane, we don't really get much of a revelation much now into what he was praying. Now, some say that is his divine prayer and then uh, his divine side praying in chapter 17 and chapter 18 in Gethsemane, he's praying uh, from the human side. Father, if it be, if it be uh, possible, let this cup pass from me. Um, and uh, so maybe there's some truth in that. I, I don't know. But this does certainly seem to be like in chapter 17 a prayer in which he is wanting those around to hear him. He's even said those things in other prayers, hasn't he? I pray, uh, not from us, I pray for those around me that they hear. And so wanting to be a blessing to us. And he's going uh, to the cross as hour has come. And uh, what a blessing it is to have a Savior that is about to go die the most painful, cruelest death known to mankind. And he wants to be a blessing and a help and an encouragement to those that are around him. Now, when I'm going through something, don't you expect no encouragement from me. You better encourage me. I'm going through it, right? But we've got a Savior that is going through uh, what he's about to go through and going to be uh, um, uh, uh, going through uh, a, a pain uh, that no human being can bring about in a person. He under, is about to undergo the wrath of God uh, for me and you. He is going to be, uh, 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 the Bible said it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And so the Lord is poured out poured out his fury and wrath in the body of the man Jesus Christ and it wasn't just a Roman whip that he died in the punishment of but the wrath of the Father. I believe that and he did that for your and my sake. And so uh, he's going through that and uh, he is encouraging his people. And so I want to start out just in verse number 20. I'm just going to read. We'll do a lot of reading today so I'll do it quickly. Verily, verily I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament but the world shall rejoice and ye shall be sorrowful but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. So I'm going to the cross. He's going to tell them where I go, you cannot come. And uh, I'm going and you shall see me no more. And in verse number 21, a woman, she's in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is brought into the world. And he's using an example there of a woman giving birth. And can I say something in passing to you young people? Uh, I understand, uh, and I'm not attacking you uh, in any personal way, because I've been a young person myself. Um, but i tell you one thing I regret as a teenager, and I've got a lot of them. But I'll tell you one that stands out in my mind is oftentimes how I treated my mother. And so I want to exhort you to something that I don't think you'll ever have any idea until you have children of your own. And I, this is not the message, but I just want to say this. That woman sitting on the pew with you, you'll never have any idea what she endured when she brought you into this world. Now, I do. I went through a whole lot more than she did. 
That is not true, just to be plain and clear. But (laughs) who let him back in here? (coughs) But uh, uh, my wife, uh, your wife, your mother uh, went through uh, things that is indescribable, uh, especially in a mixed congregation and in this pulpit. But uh, your your mother um, went through things, a pain, an anguish. She went through a period of time that you will never be able to comprehend until you get a kidney stone. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't even know if that will bring it about. Uh, uh, the reality of what your mother did uh, when she brought you into this world. Young people, be good to your mother. Love your mother. And um, um, I give my wife a hard time. Bless her heart. I don't know how she's made it. I joke and cut up and go on. But I want to say publicly, I love my wife. Uh, she has uh, naturally brought five children into this world. Uh, some call it the jaws of death and the pains of death. It is certainly a pain that you will never quite understand. Uh, uh, you may know what I'm talking about if you were in the delivery room when that happened. And she was going through that delivery. Uh, but I can ex- agree with this verse. It went from all the pain and the anguish to as soon as the child was delivered, mama's head was looking around trying to see that little baby and when they cleaned that baby up and brought that baby over to mother and that uh, and they've got that little child wrapped up and you can hear that baby crying, mama's pain and anguish and, and turmoil you all thinking back to it right now aren't you went back to just joy unspeakable for that life that God had brought into the world and uh, there are working on you and doing all the things they're doing there, uh, but you, you didn't even have a clue what was going on around you just for the life that God had brought into the world. I, got, I get choked up even thinking about it. I was, my wife had me bent down uh, there. I was leaned over the bed as she was uh, going through that thing. And I was leaned over the bed and I was hugging her. And uh, that was the first time. After that, I'm like, hey, it's about time to eat. Let's get this thing going. Uh, but, uh, you know, the first time you're young, you don't know what's going on. You're, you're, uh, and so I was leaned over and I was holding her and hugging her and telling her things and trying to, you know, trying to be a blessing to her. And then uh, we come to a point in time where I had to stand up and I almost passed out because I'd been over like that for so long so I stood up and I was so happy and they started fanning me said you're pale as a sheet and I almost passed out you remember that Amber boy y'all don't know what I went through to bring y'all in this world <laughs> I went through it buddy and uh, he uses that same type of relation here. And so if you were there, uh, you men and ladies, of course, obviously, but you men, uh, you can think along with me. He's using that same type of thing, talking about them, saying, you're going to go through something, some terrible anguish and pain, uh, um, but your, your, your pain shall be turned into joy because there's going to be, as it were, a birth. Right, I'm gonna, and, uh, um, and, and in fact, he's gonna go through the same thing in a way, if you think about it, but he's comforting them with them words. Look, I want you to know, and that's our Savior, he foretells us of what's going on, right? He calls us his friend. Right? We, we know what he's doing. And so though they didn't understand a lot of it and didn't put the pieces together sometime, he was, he was telling them, look, I'm going to go. You're going to go through this sorrow. Uh, but just remember, when you're going through all those things, I want you to remember something. Your joy is also going to come yet a little while. The same, so very similar to the little while from what's about to happen and you see me no more. Just a little while from this shall your, your sorrow be turned to joy. What he's trying to tell them is I'm coming forth up out of the grave. He arose a victor over the dark domain, right? And they're not putting all the pieces together, but thank God, you and I looking back, we can see it so clearly. And so, uh, so now, therefore, uh, you have sorrow, but I'll see you again. Your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Uh, and in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask, in the fa- uh, ask the Father in my name, he will give it uh, to you. He, this is going to be developed a little bit more. And so I, I don't want to stop there, but he is going to bring their minds uh, into a place where they can understand that they're going to have a relationship as he did directly with the father. And so uh, hitherto they've asked nothing in his name, but in that day uh, they'll be able to ask directly to the father in the name of Jesus. And it'll be done unto you because the father loves you as he loves me because you love me. 
Now that kind of, you think about not knowing God in that manner. You and I, we see that clearly. We're looking back to that and we're seeing that clearly. But these, these men at the time, they, they've never heard anything like that. And so they're, they're getting brought into this realization that I'm about to put you into a, I, I, I am that day's man. Right, Job said, uh, there, and neither is there any days, man, that can bring us together in judgment, right? And I, can't, I can't justify myself to God. I can't even plead my case because I'd show myself perverse that I could even think to uh, uh, go into the presence of God and argue a case of myself. And so um, if I be wicked, why labor I then in vain? And he said, neither is there any days, man, that could come together betwixt us two and lay hold of God and lay hold of me and bring us together and reconcile us. And so he's, he's going to, um, and you and I enjoyed seeing that from that side in Hebrews 10. But these men had nothing uh, an understanding clearly much of that relationship that God, that Jesus was about to take them, not just from a, he's going to take them from this relationship that they saw in him. And he's trying to get them to see that relationship that me and you have is actually with the father. So the creator of heaven and earth, you are at now no longer his enemy. I'm going to bring you into a relationship and bring you two together in me. He's in me, you're in me, and we're going to be one. That's what he's going to go on and explain in chapter number 17. And uh, so uh, he's, he's given them this picture, uh, this uh, not picture, but he's given them this uh, proclamation, this doctrine of what he was going to accomplish for them. And he's going to say, you, you've asked nothing in my name yet, uh, hitherto, and, but in that day you shall. And so you're going to ask the Father, and it'll be done unto you, because you're going to ask him in my name. Right? So I can now close my eyes or wherever, or I can go to pray or just wherever uh, I'm at, and I can say, Father, right? And he heareth me. And what he's trying to get them to see now is God is going to accept you as he does me because you're in me. So when Jesus, as he come forth from the Father, who was God, God saw him and God always heard him because he never regarded iniquity as hard. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. And he said, look, I know thou always hearest me. He's, he's trying to get them to see you're going to have that same relationship with the Father that I have. Is that not true? We have the same relationship with the Father. We have access by faith right into the presence of God. Right? That's what Hebrews said. And so he's, going to, he's just laying the groundwork, the foundation here as he goes on. And he said, these things I've spoken to you in a proverb, but the time cometh when shall no more speak in you proverb, I shall show you plainly the Father. I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. And he's coming again. Just want to throw that in there. But it, he's not dealing with it. But he said, I came into the world. I came forth from the Father, came into the world. And what he, he, he's really, uh, and I, we don't have time to develop this, but he's really beginning to, to, to reveal even more plainly his deity, that he is God. He came forth from the Father. Glorify me that I had the glory with you before the world was. And so um, uh, he's revealing um, um, uh, a lot here in these verses, but that's not the, 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 the message. It's saying, um, for the Father himself loveth you. I came forth the Father. I'm going back to the Father. And his disciples said, Lo now, speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Uh, now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. And Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Very important question, isn't it? Most important question of your life is do you believe on Jesus? So he said, do you now believe? Not that he didn't know, but he's, going to, he's saying something to prepare them. Uh, let me say something here, and I believe this is probably what's being said, and I want to say it now in our time. The, the only way we're going to make it through this tribulation time that we're going through, and I don't mean the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, but this is a time of trouble and tribulation in the world. And the only way we're going to make it through, and the only crowd coming through with joy and peace down on the other side, is those that will continue to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So, yeah, you might now believe, but there's a time coming. I'm trying to prepare you for that, that I'm not going to be here. You see me no more. And you're going to go through trouble. The world hates you. And, 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 and then you better remember upon whom you have believed. Paul said, for I know in whom I have believed. He didn't say, I know in whom I did many mighty works. I know in whom what I've done. No, I know in whom I have believed, and I stand on that. And when you go through tribulation and trying times and troubled times, you better rest assured in your soul and be assured and know whom you have believed. Whom you have believed. And whom you have believed is, uh, is sent from God who is God. I and my Father are one, is what he's telling. And so now, I'm bringing you into a personal relationship with the Father. A Father so holy. A Father so divine, so just. Man, I don't know if we'll ever get a hold of that, do you? The, the gap that was between the unrighteousness of those sitting in here this morning and between the holy God of heaven. I don't know that we'll ever get a reality of the sense of just how far away from God we were. N not in distance, but in character. Right? right? And, uh, boy, in Jesus. Well, let me go on because I want to I get through this quick. Okay, so. Now he said, thou speakest, do you really believe? And, and uh, he said, do you now believe? And, uh, and behold, uh, the hour coming. And again there, I don't think necessarily uh, that he's trying to cast doubt on that, uh, that they don't believe. I think what he's trying to prepare them for is that it, it might be easy because I'm sitting here talking with you now, right? It's kind of easy when you're in here and you're with other people that believe and we're rejoicing in the things of God and we're singing about Jesus and we're loving Jesus. But you get out in a world that hates God and hates you and hates how you dress and the Bible you believe and they hate everything about your Jesus. It's a little bit harder when, you're, when your health is attacked and you feel like the Lord's abandoned you and you can't get a, you can't, you feel like everywhere you turn you can't find him and, and, uh, and there's trouble on every side and there's trouble in the church, there's trouble in your family, there's trouble in your health, there's trouble in the world. Uh, uh, people uh, people uh, don't even know whether they're a he or a she and, and all this craziness is going on. I hope you believe then just as much as you do now. It's going to be a little harder then, isn't it? And that's what he's trying to say is there, uh, and, and, and that's just what I, I believe that. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't not not the point. Behold, the hour cometh, and yea, is now come that you shall be scattered, every man do his own. It's easy to believe when other believers are around, isn't it? Seems like that mob mentality that some got caught up with here recently. I think that's what happens to Peter sometimes. He gets around all the brethren. He's like, I, I ain't never going to leave you. <laughs> oh, that pride gets up. Anyway, what he's going to say now is, I'm going to scatter you, right? You're going to come in hard times. And uh, that's what we've been through with some of this uh, 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 coronavirus. We've been scattered. It's, it's been difficult uh, to maintain our spirituality, if I can say that, uh, and you understand what I'm meaning. Uh, it's kind of difficult to, when you're separated from the brethren. It's, it's hard to deal with those kind of things. Uh, but, but you can do it. We can do it, right? And so he's telling them, you now believe I'm gonna, you're going to be scattered. The time's coming and now is that you shall be scattered. Every man to his own and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. <laughs> we could say the same thing, can't we? Now, they, they, they weren't too aware of that now. But you and I, we're aware of it. <laughs> we can be scattered all over this world. won't make no difference because God won't never be scattered from us. We weren't scattered from God. We're scattered from one another is what he said. But anyway, the last verse he said, These things I've spoken unto you, that, excuse me, in, in me, uh, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What a great verse that he tells him that I want you to understand something. The, tri the tribulation, the anguish, the pain, the suffering that's coming into the world. I want to leave you with my peace. How many Christians do you see today that have a whole lot of peace? You know when they get peace... When some, some, when Dr. Fauci or somebody comes online and says we got a vaccine that's about to work, that's when they feel a little bit easier. Yes. Right? 
We've got a peace that goes far beyond some doctor telling us that we're going to, we ought to have a peace that's settled so far deep into our soul that we should never lose this peace or this joy no matter what comes upon the earth. But you know what's happened? A lot of us have lost our joy and our peace. Why? Because of tribulations come upon us. Trouble times have come upon us. And, uh, and so we've, we've, uh, we've, we've lost our joy and our peace and a lot of our confidence in, in the Lord. And so uh, we've dealt with that some. But here we have, we have Jesus encouraging his disciples that I'm going to leave you. And you're going to have tribulation into this world. And all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So you and I can take our place here. And I'm saying, I'm dispensationally, I'm not saying that I'm here receiving this words. But as a Christian, I am. When he's telling me, I want you to have my peace in you, that tribulations come into the world, but I'm going to give you peace because you got to remember, I've overcome this world. So when you see the, the spiritual wickedness in high places manifesting themselves and, and, and all the wickedness that's going on in your land and around you and the community and everything else, I want you to still maintain peace because you, I have overcome all of that already. And you're in me and you've overcome it already. So have some peace. We ought, to, we ought to be at peace. I'm not talking about that verse that says be at peace among yourself. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I Y'all get to singing those songs that you sang this morning. Brother, I, I don't, there's just a peace in my soul that I don't know. I, I mean, I, it's like it just gets strengthened more and more and more as I go along. And I see the Lord the way, and, and, and see things in the Scripture. And there's just a peace in there that, 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 I, that you just can't explain. There's a, there's a peace that God gives you. Uh, just a, not just a peace with God. I'm talking about a peace uh, in, the, in the midst of these storms that we're going through. Why are we not at peace? Is God relinquish his authority to President Trump or Nancy Pelosi. God's not relinquish his authority. God's still on the throne of this world and it's going exactly the way God wants it to go. So we can just be at peace and we can have peace in ourselves, peace in our heart because we know we're in Jesus. He overcome this world and we're winners either way that goes. I sure don't want them to have it. <laughs> Don't be mistaken that. But at the end of the day, old Clint can lay his 200-pound self down on the bed and be at peace knowing that the Lord God of heaven will sustain me through the night. And it might get bad, and they're probably going to come to us. In this country, it'll come to a place it's just started. We're just seeing a glimpse into it. It'll be hate speech before you know it. Uh, but to preach on sin and preach against all this stuff, and and I see those things coming. I I, I believe I, I believe that stuff will happen in our country, probably in my lifetime. I believe that. But you know what? I ought to just have just as much peace as I do preaching up here this morning. And those times, uh, just like we we do now, we've got to pay. I don't know about you, uh, but I, I've even tried to get a little bit troubled about all this stuff and God just keeps working some peace in my soul. I got peace in this thing. Do you have peace? If you don't know God, you don't know peace. If you don't have Jesus, if you're not born again, you have no peace. That's what's wrong with the world. They're running to and fro and they have no peace in their heart. No joy, no nothing in there inside of the. They're just, they're just empty and void and vain. And you and I are sitting there and dwelt by God, and we've got peace in our soul. I don't like it no more than the next man. But I can tell you one thing, Brother Jones. I'm like you, brother. I don't care what happened. There's, there's some. I know one thing. We're gonna be all right. That's what he's trying to tell them here. You believe this? He said, I'm going to leave you peace. Boy, that's what happens to you when you get saved. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, when we got saved, God put a peace in our hearts. I mean, I'm telling you, just a deep, settled peace. You can't even, really, it's ineffable. It's, it's, you, can't even, you can't even describe the peace that's in your soul. There's, 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 a, there's a peace down that God gave us. And I, I want you to know this morning, if you have no peace and you're not at rest with your salvation, I want you to know there's a God that is able to give you some peace. He can give you peace about your, your salvation, peace with God. But I'm going to tell you far beyond that, through the tribulation and troubles and trials of life, when everybody else is running, well, I can't pull my own hair out. 
I was going to say, when you're pulling your hair out. When you're, when you're pulling your hair out. Yeah, I know you don't like your hair messed up. When you're, when you're just, everybody you see them, they're just, ah, they're just freaking out. You and I are sitting over here whistling, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And they're looking at us going, what's wrong with them people? Do you realize what's going on? Yeah, I know what's going on, but I know what Jesus did on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And I know the peace he worked in me 13 years ago. And I'm not going to get anxious over it and fret myself to death over it. I'm just going to do what God told me to do. And you know what? They can have this old world. Amen. What are we going to do? I'm going to, hey, I'm just going to do what God said. I'm going to keep fighting for souls. Hey, we can't forget that, church. Now, I'm not for this cowardly stuff and turning over this country to a bunch of mess. I'm not for all that. We ought to do all we can do legally uh, to do right and be good citizens of this country. But you and I belong to another home. We're nothing but ambassadors to this world. We got another king whose message we are coming to this world. We are strangers and pilgrims and foreigners. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm not fighting a fleshly battle with anybody. You know what would happen if we take Paul's approach a little bit better and we try to reach these kings with the gospel? You know what? It's the only hope that we've got to reach those in authority to make any difference in our country that our children might enjoy the freedom you and I have got to enjoy. The only hope we've got is to get them to Jesus. If they don't get saved, I don't care what you do to them. They'll be just as wicked as they've always been. They need to be saved, right? That's what Paul did. He didn't go in with a sword and try to cut their heads off. He took the sword of the word of God and he said, you by wicked hands have crucified the Lord of glory. God's got you down for murder. He's going to put you in hell over it. You better repent and believe on Jesus. And they trembled. Over a little old Jew, they say, ain't very tall. What they say, five eight or something. He's a shorter fella. He wasn't very intimidating. He was a man, but not in his stature was he very intimidating. But you know what was intimidating? He spake with authority from the Word of God and said, "God sent Jesus into this world to die for you, and you wicked men have slain Him. You better repent and believe on His name. I'm telling you, the only hope you got is to believe on Jesus. I was before a blasphemer and I persecuted God's church, but I submitted myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and His name. I declare unto you. And if you want remission of sin and you want peace in your life, you'll have to find." it in this man named Jesus. <laughs> and almost thou convincest me to be a Christian. He did a whole lot more than I think a sword would have done. He'd gone in there and started whooping people with it. Though I kind of like that. Do you? I have to be careful with my flesh. And uh, so anyway, now we've almost spent our time. I didn't get to chapter 17. <laughs> Then you know what he ended there? And that, listen to how he ended chapter 16. Can you imagine this? But be of good cheer. I believe I've preached that. If I preach that here, I can't, I think I've preached that already. I don't remember. But there are several times in the scriptures that we see that be of good cheer. And here he's trying to see them and tell them, be of good cheer. God warned us what was coming on this earth, folks. We ought to be encouraged. He told us this is the way it's going to go. And you know what I mean? You can, we, can, we can hang our head down and look like God's going out of business. Or we can lift our heads up a little bit by the grace of God and say, God told us this was going to happen. And you better repent and believe on Jesus. And uh, look this world in the face with some peace in our soul. I don't care what's going on out there. I mean, I do care. Y'all understand what I'm saying. But I've got a peace from another world that this world can't take from me. The old timer said, it'll stand when the world's on fire. You and I will still be at peace in Jesus. I'm going to do that. I'm getting that down, brother. I've worked on that all week. He'll be here in a couple of weeks. We'll get to see Brother Brian give that little shake. There he does. Now, that leads us in to verse number 17. And uh, we'll get to come back here tonight. But uh, let's just give a couple of things here that he gives as a foundation, as he lays this foundation. I've just got a couple of minutes here. So these words spake, spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. And uh, 
boy, there's a whole lot we could get into there. But uh, I want to move on a little bit. So just let's move on, okay? And verse number two, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this, probably one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And there's, there's a bunch of them, but this is, I believe, well, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And just wiped away thousands of years of their law. Not doing away with it in the sense that, but the law was flesh. The problem with the law was that the flesh was weak. Right? The law's good. It's not. But in that one verse, he announced to them emphatically that the only way that a man would ever have eternal life would be to know Jesus Christ. That's it. So how do they know God? They know God by me. If you're here this morning, you're lost. Can I tell you something? The only way you'll ever come to know God, the the only way you'll ever experience the peace of salvation is to know Jesus Christ whom God has sent. Right? Do you know that? I hope you know that this morning. This thing's thing's wrapping up. Y'all believe that? We better get serious. I'm telling you, you young people, I hope you know something. I'm thrilled. I'm glad the godly raising that you've had. I'm, I'm thrilled. I was raised in a home. I wasn't raised in no Christian home. I was raised, I was drugged to church occasionally. But when I come of age, I come to the place where I didn't want no part of it. And I went my own way. And so I'm thrilled at, at, at families that are able to raise their children in God's house and, and raise their children in, 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 in discipline of the word of God and in a Christian home. You ought to thank God for that. But that will never save you. That will never bring you into a relationship of reconciled relationship with a holy God. The only thing that will save your soul is if you yourself truly believe on Jesus Christ and him alone. You've got to receive for yourself this man named Jesus. Right? And I, I worry sometimes some of our young people, they just, they, just, they, just, they just feel like that they're grafted in somehow, that they're just brought into this relationship by being in church. You're, you're not a Christian by being in church. You're saved and eternally saved with eternal life, which no man can take from you, through one man whose name is Jesus. My question is, do you believe on him? That's all that's going to matter when you close your eyes down here is do you believe on this man named Jesus? Do you believe him? Do you believe on him? Are you trusting him as your only hope? Boy, I'm telling you, there's no, there's no greater question facing our young people today. I have racked my brain to try to figure out why our young people are flocking away from our churches in droves. We are blessed here to have quite a few young people. I thank God for it. But I'm talking about when you go to a lot of independent fundamental churches anymore, they are, they are, flo- they are running away from fundam- Bible fundamentalism and the truth of the Word of God. They are running away from it as far as they can get. And I've tried to think, well, maybe it's because we've been too hard on them. Maybe we've, uh, maybe we've done this. Maybe we've done that. I'm going to tell you where the responsibility lies. It lies in the hearts of those young people that did not believe on the name of Jesus and stand fast in him. I'm not saying everyone them's lost. I'm saying this. They took their eyes off Jesus. They lost their confidence in Jesus. They, I don't care what anybody does to you that's in this church. You can stand fast if you hold fast to the belief you have in Jesus Christ. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We can sit here and analyze all kinds of things, but I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to take the blame and put it on nobody. If somebody walks away from the Bible and they walk away from church and they walk away from Jesus, I don't care if it was the dress standard. I don't care if it's somebody mean to them and smarted off to them. I don't care what it is. The responsibility of you leaving God's church is your fault. Amen. And I'm not excusing none of that. It's wrong. We ought to love these young people. We ought to be patient with them, long-suffering with them, the way God's been to us. And I want to do my best to do that. 
But whether or not you stand fast, therefore, in the grace that is in Christ and the liberty we've been made for, all that depends on you believing on Jesus, not me. And you know what? You'll have a peace when all this tribulation comes and you'll have that peace and no man be able to take it away from you. I can't explain it. Brother John, you could take, you could analyze my life and I would not want that, I wouldn't want that put up here since I've been saved up on this screen this morning. But I, I could open up my life to you and I could show you every single thing from the day I got saved. And I'm telling you, you could analyze it in and out, frontwards and backwards. And you could try to convince me I'm lost. And I am telling you, God put a peace in my soul that you could never take away from me. It's not dependent upon what I've done or what I've not done, but in whom I have believed. And I believe on Jesus and I shall never die. You'll never take that from me. Hey, I go through these verses. We talked about, brother. I go through these verses sometimes and say, "He that committeth sin is of the devil." I go through these same verses that talk about that are that are uh, as ye have received Christ, so walk ye in Him. Don't let this once be named among you. Perfect holiness in the fear of God. I read the same verses you do, and never one time has the Holy Ghost said, "See, you're lost." <laughs> he usually just says, <laughs> "You better repent." <laughs> And I say, oh, God, be merciful to me. That even when I would do good, evil is present with me. So who shall deliver me therefore from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Right? And so I don't think, well, boy, hey. I'm just trying to help you. They say, well, I'm already saved, Brother Clint. Well, I want to try to help you in the midst of all this tribulation. If I could do anything just to exhort you again to just look at Jesus, consider Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. If we start looking at people and criticizing and we start looking around at the situation and we get caught up in all this mess that's going on to a degree, I'm telling you something, folks. We are going to, we're going to find ourselves in a position where we're cold, where we're indifferent, where we're, we're, we're arguing with our spouses and our families are in turmoil. Why? Because we've gotten our peace in our eyes. We've gotten that, 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 uh, that relationship that he left us with. When, you, when he saved you, he put a peace in you that, that passes all understanding. Right? And, uh, and, uh, and we've just come to a place nobody took it from us. We've lost our peace. We've lost our joy. And what's happened to us? Well, we gave it away. Right? Nobody took it from me. There's no excuses for me. I can't go to him and say, well, Biden stole the election. Do you believe that, God? <laughs> what happened to your peace? He may have done it. I don't know. What happened to your peace? Why are you not at peace? I left my peace with you. When I, when I, when I left, so to speak, is what he's telling them. He said, I left peace with you. So, well, I, we, we dealt with this in Peter. Man, forget he's purged from his old sins. And say, well, I had... I, I was saved, I had assurance, and now I don't know where I'm at with God. That's what sin will do to you, won't it? But I tell you this much, it wasn't because he took peace away from you. And it wasn't, it wasn't because your daddy did wrong, or your mama didn't treat you right, or the preacher said something made you mad, right? You let your joy and your peace go. And, and he lays this foundation Upon all of us that stand here to this morning, we stand upon this foundation which was laid, and that is Jesus Christ and Him alone. And we're only going to make it if we continue to keep our eyes on the Lord and we stop looking around us and getting so discouraged and all these things and we get back in these verses and look at the intimacy in which He talks about. You know how many times He uses that word in? You ever, you've heard people explain this before, I'm sure, but, but you know, when we say that word, a mother with child, that mom's in that child and that child's in that mother. That's the union that's being spoken of with that word in. I'm in him and he's in me. I draw, I, I'm like that child in that womb. I draw all my nutrients, my life, my, my resources are all drawn from that, from that, from the, from the, uh, uh, well, I don't want to say that, uh, but uh, uh, it's all drawn from the mother, right? 
and my life is drawn. In him we live and move and have our being. He is our substance. He's our everything. He's, he's, he's everything to our peace. He's everything to our joy. He's everything to our life. You cut us all from him and we're nothing. Right? You go in that womb and you cut that baby loose from that mother and it's as good as dead. And you can't cut us loose from Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> but that's the union we have in him. For, uh, I'm crucified with Christ, right? Nevertheless I live, yet not I. Uh, but Christ liveth in me. And uh, I, I see a lot of Christians in this day were getting distracted from all of these uh, various truths. And it's leaving us, it's leaving us unhappy and unpeaceful. Right? We're getting caught up in too much of this junk. I don't know about you, but it's a bunch of junk anymore. Can I say that here? It's a, it's a bunch of junk. You know what he says for me and you to do? Go into this world and preach the gospel. That's our business, isn't it? I got I, we're in a war that we're fighting, aren't we? A battle for souls. That ought to concern us a whole lot more, shouldn't it? Than a lot of these other fights we could get involved with. If I was going to, if I was going to involve myself in a battle, I'd rather, I'd rather be involved in the Lord's army and the Lord's battle than anything else. Right? Look at all that freedom and, and uh, religious, uh, religious freedom and all that was accomplished by our forefathers. You can win that battle and you know what? Some eggheads will come along and get a degree and learn how to ruin it. That's what they've done in our country. Men fought and died and bled to get rid of communism and socialism is just another word for the same bunch. And they've gone to school and glorified it and the same thing your forefathers died for, they're trying to put back in. They've been reading their own book. So I don't know any other worthy battle to be fighting, do you? And see the gospel go out and be given to missions and given our time and ourselves into trying to win souls for the Lord. I hate using that word. You understand? You all know what I, what I feel. I'm not, it's not uh, in, a, in a sense uh, ours to win. That's between them and God. But what I am saying this is, is they will not ever believe if we don't preach. Right? And what's happened? Hey, just go on Facebook. If you really or on the borderline of committing suicide, don't. But if you are bored today, go on Facebook and try to scroll down through there and see how much you see about Jesus. How many people get on these social media platforms claim to be saved and they ever say anything about trying to reach people with Jesus? I've heard all the Constitution I want to hear. I'm not, making, I'm not belittling it in any way whatsoever, our great Constitution. But as a Christian, we've got a business to be doing, and that's to see God's truth go forth. Amen. Right? Don't lose sight of that. I'm not saying roll over for this crowd. I'm not trying to really even deal with that much at all. What I'm trying to get us focused on is get us focused on the business that God gave us to do. And it wasn't to make a righteous nation here. It's to involve ourselves with the righteous nation we already belong to over there and represent that country to this one. Right? That I can do. I'm just a little fella. Clint, what can I do? I can't make a difference up there. Can I, can I tell you a story and then we'll go? Y'all remember Gideon? He wasn't much, really, if you think about who that man was. God turns to him, and what is there, 32,000? Is it 32,000? 20, it's 32,000, I think it was, because 10 went away and 22 were left. Or see, 22 went away and 10 were left. So it's 32,000 people. And Gideon, uh, uh, he, he tells him, he said, now look, God comes to him, and he said, you got too many people. Can you imagine God coming in here and say, hey, there's too many people in this church, Brother Clem. I look at it and I go, man, we've got pews in here we need to be filled. God may look at it and go, hey, there's too many of them in here. Now, that's not the relation, but you understand what I'm saying? So we don't think like God. If I'm going to an army and I'm going to fight a battle and I'm outnumbered, and they're going to eventually be outnumbered four to one. I think it's somewhere in 150,000, 140,000 Midianites. I don't, I don't remember exactly how many there was. I know eventually it's four to one when they end up with 300. So you do the math. But anyway, there's a bunch of them. And I'd be going around trying to get everybody I could to fight with this battle, wouldn't you? I'd give Jordan a gun. Get everybody I could shoot. I want them shooting and, uh, and God looks at it and he said, everybody that's afraid, 
that's fearful, I want them gone. And you know what? I started out thinking, I started out to myself thinking, well, that's right. God didn't call no cowards. God's run them off. Boy, it sounded good, but I'm not sure that was really what was meant there. Now, we shouldn't be fearful, but I don't think it was an attack on those that were fearful. They were still going to fight. Hey, these times I've been afraid, but I'm still going to fight. Whether, however you want to take that, times. So I don't think he was attacking them for that. He was trying to, what he was, what is he, what he was doing was getting the glory unto himself, wasn't he? I don't want you all to be able to say you've done it. So I'm going to make it down to the place where it was impossible for anybody to get glory but God. That's what he's trying to do there. And so how he starts standing in the crowd, he says, sin, I want everybody that's afraid goes home. So they lose 22,000 people. He's left with 10,000. He looks at him. He said, they steal too many of them. Are you kidding me? They steal too many of you. And then he leads him down and he tells him how to do it. I want you to go down there and here's how I want you to, uh, to, uh, to deal, deal with it now. He said, everybody that bows a knee and drinks out of the, out of the, out of the lake directly, he said, I, I want all of those people, they're, they're, I'm going to set them aside. I'm not going to use them. But I'm going to use the ones that cut the water up like this and lap it like a dog. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That, that, that Hebrew word lapeth there uh, is just basically imitating the sound that the dog makes when it's licking that water up. Y'all you ever heard that? It annoys me to death. That's, that's what it is. And uh, he said, I want to use that bunch. And he said, I'm going to use that crowd. And I have, I'm telling you, I have racked my brain to try to figure out what in the world God meant by all that. There's oftentimes God does some things I just don't understand. Could we have avoided all that and just said, okay, you, 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 everybody else go home. I, I don't, but there's a purpose in what God does. And so God brings them down. I, I guess he's showing Gideon something. I'm going to run through this quickly. I don't know where this came from. But anyway, he said, all right, those that, 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 that scoop up the water. And I started thinking about that. I thought, well, uh, may, I, and I, I, I've read things before that talked about that's a militarily. Those that bend down by the knee and they're bent over drinking are vulnerable to enemies behind them. So they're not very wise militarily. But those that, that scoop up can drink like this and be watching. And I thought, well, maybe that's it. But really, if you think about God's purpose in the situation, God is trying to get glory all to himself. So he doesn't need those that are any wiser militarily than he does those that don't have a clue. I kind of think this. This is how my brain works. I think it was actually unqualifying. I think the ones that reached down, hey, how many of y'all don't even need to read anything from the uh, CDC or anywhere else to know your hands get filthy? And the last thing I'm going to do after working all day long and not have no hand sanitizer, as far as we know, they didn't have none of this great hand sanitizer we have, but God did instruct them to subject their hands to running water. So they had an understanding of the cleanliness of their hands. Who would take their nasty, filthy hands and reach down there and get water and start lapping it up like a dog? Not me. I'd rather just leave it right there where it is and bend down there and drink it, wouldn't you? It makes a lot more sense to me. It's much more sanitary. I think it was actually unqualifying. I, I, I really do. I think to a degree he was trying to say, look, I don't need the greatest of this 10,000 either. I'm actually going to take 300 that are just about wild and crazy. I think, I think they're just crazy enough. I don't even think they thought it through. They just went down there and, bless God, I need some water. And they just, it's not even make sense. How many of you have ever done that? How many of you have got water and gunned down, scooped water up like this? All of it just leaks out. You don't even get none. Anybody ever seen somebody do that and try to catch water under something and try to put it to their mouth? They lose all of it. It's not, it doesn't even make sense that you would do it that way. I just think that it's crazy enough to go down there and just... <laughs> and I'm going to take a bunch of wild maniacs that are slapping up water like a dog. And I'm going to destroy an entire army. That's what, that's what God's going to do. So he didn't take the greatest military minds. And in fact, he didn't use the man that was completely without fear. You think about it, he just sent 22,000 people home because they were afraid. If he didn't want to use people that were afraid, I think there's one more that should have gone. Because if you read the story, Gideon was also afraid. He said, if, but if thou be afraid, I want you to go down to the Midianites. I want you to go down to the, to the encampment there, and I want you to listen to what they're saying. But if you're afraid, I want you to take it, take, uh, it starts with a P. I can see it in my Bible. I can't pronounce it. But I want you to take him with you if you're afraid. 
And what does he end up doing? Taking his pal with him. So what did that say? He was a little bit afraid to go down there by himself. Now I'd have been too, one man entire enemy army, wouldn't you? But he had a little fear too. And th- th- why does that matter? Why is that encouraging? It encourages me just like it does in these verses. Jesus is telling all of them this and he's about to positionally pray for them the way we're about to see him pray for them. And you and I both know what they're about to do. Peter's going back fishing. And you know what? This just gives me some comfort. You, you think about this army and, 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 and God's army and I think, well, there shouldn't be no cowards and all this stuff. I don't know. God ends up using them anyway. 22,000, uh, the, the men of Israel, once they win that first initial battle and he distorts their view and makes them think there's a whole lot more and they take off running and they're slaying each other. He looks at the men of Israel and tells them all to pursue. And all of them get to join in. So it's not that he didn't use them at all. So what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that I'm telling you, with, I don't care what's your view of what you think that you are. God can still use you if you're saved by the grace of God. Say, well, I'm fearful. That's okay. What you need to do is just, 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 put, just, just cast your confidence on Jesus and understand that in Jesus, he can do all, you can do all things through him. Right? Don't take that out of context and say, I can win all Super Bowls through him. People take that out of context. Uh, but uh, 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 so uh, perfect love casteth out fear, right? I see people, they disqualify themselves from doing anything because they look at their self and they say, well, I'm this, well, I'm that, well, I'm this. Well, God's not put that disqualifier on you. You did. In fact, God wants you to completely die to yourself and he just wants to do it through you. So I'm not very good at witnessing to people. Uh, I'm not, I've not been very spiritual this week. I've, I've not done this. I've not done that. And I've not done this. So who am I to tell somebody about Jesus? All the more reason to tell them. Shame on you for what you've been doing. No doubt about it. Shame on me for what I've been doing. But that doesn't, shouldn't stop us from being able to tell them about Jesus who ain't never done nothing wrong. Amen. We've lost that. We've lost our burden to do anything. And I don't think it's strictly because all of our loves wax cold. I think a lot of us have just gotten to a place where our own failures have caused us to stop doing anything for God. I know a lot of people that are disqualifying themselves. And I mean not disqualifying. I'm not talking about the office of a bishop. I'm not talking about a deacon. Those are separate issues. Those have qualifications on them before and after a man's a pastor. They don't go away after he's a pastor. I'm just talking about being somebody for Jesus, doing something for God. The greatest thing I know you could do is to just tell this world about Jesus. Why aren't we doing it? We don't have a burden to do it, do we? We need a burden. But, and you know what? Some people, they'll feel that way, and I, I, I'm done. But uh, the reason I went to Gideon and all that is because I had studied that and I, a couple days ago and thought I'd preach on it. And I thought, and God didn't let me do it, but uh, what I thought I'd go into it with, I was stirred up and thinking, man, God's called us to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, to be like men, to be strong, to uh, stand fast and all those things. And I was going to use that verse of that. And as I went along thinking and meditating on it, I started saying, man, that didn't disqualify them completely from service. God was trying to show people something that I am going to win this battle. God had a purpose in that. And maybe he used Gideon and what those men did, and maybe it was contagious. And maybe, maybe if I was over here and I was one of them 22,000 and I was scared to death, can I say something? I'd probably be scared. To, I'd do it anyway because I ain't got no sense. But I'd be scared to death to run in there with a sword and start stabbing people. You know why? Because they're going to stab me back. And so I, I, I just think they were over here. They were honest and said, look, I'm afraid. And they stepped out of the way. I think most of them left over too stupid to be afraid. It's possible. I know some people are too dumb to be afraid. Y'all know people like that? I do. I may give birth to some. No. And I think they're over there looking. They're going, man, they're going against an entire army. Look at what God is doing through those men. And I walked off afraid. And I think maybe it was just speak to them and it gave them some courage to say, well, you know what? Bless God. I'm not going to let them fight by themselves. And they went in there fighting. Maybe, see, it just took one man. You see the progression of that. God used one man, Gideon, and then ended up with 300. 
And you say, well, there ain't much I can do. Well, maybe if you would be the very one that would get us a little God about you and take off into battle, it might encourage me to say, well, hey, God's using him to win some victories. What do I got to be afraid of? I got nothing to be afraid of. And man, it might encourage you to jump in there in the battle. You know why a lot of people don't come visitation and try to witness to people and they go out in the community, hand out tracts. You know why they don't do that? They're afraid. Some people are afraid of rejection. Some are afraid they won't win. Afraid that they won't be able to reach them. Afraid God wouldn't really use them because like I said, all those disqualifiers they put on themselves. You know how many qualifications are in the Bible for a man to proclaim the gospel? That you be born again. That's the qualifier. You may not be able to pastor, but you can tell the world Jesus saves. I don't care what you've done. And so people, they get afraid and all those things there. And But you know what it does? And Brother Bearden says this all the time. I'm, I know I'm rambling. I'm sorry about that. We didn't even really get to things, but that's not abnormal for us, is it? Uh, but uh, I'm closing my Bible. Oh, my goodness. Why'd you let me do that, bro? Tyler? Uh, Brother Bearden used to always say, there's two types of men make me preach. That won't make me want to preach. Those that can't, those that can't. And I understand what he's saying. You know, there's something, if you, would, if you would get to the place where you are, now he's going to get to the collective body. Remember, he establishes that foundation, and then he deals with them. And then he, that they may be one in us, and he's going to deal with that church. But it starts with you. Starts with me, right? You don't know what you could affect if you would be the one. It might be one of you young ladies. Might be one of you young ladies that just get your heart on fire for God. And man, God use you. I've seen, an, I've seen a young lady start crying and put her little hand up. And man, I'm telling you, that start just bringing a fire in the church. You know what's wrong with some of us? Some of us don't even care really if it ever gets fixed. You're in bad shape today. Can I say that? I love you, but you're in bad shape. We ought to care at the condition of what's going on around us in the, in the, in the Christian world. It, we're in bad shape. And you know where it starts? It don't start down here because this church compromised and they ain't got no standards and they don't use the right Bible and this group don't preach repentance and this group don't do this. You know what fooey on all that stuff is right as it is. You know where the problem is? It's right here between my shoulders. And it's right there between yorn. Yorn's not a word. Am I right? So what we got to do, and you say, well, it doesn't really matter what I do. You better believe it does. You know how it's just as discouraging to see those people that you love that, that, that once stood with God, to see them just die off and, and die off on Jesus. That's just as discouraging, isn't it? You do matter. It does matter. You, in, in fact, I heard Brother Blue preach that message one time. This meeting really is all about me. This morning, this message that I'm preaching is all about you. Right? And me. This isn't a collective message of a 300 army. This is an individual level of people that need to get right with God. And who knows what will happen once we do. Say, well, I'm, not, I'm right with God. I've not been doing this and I've not been doing that. I've not been doing this. I don't make you right with God, you and your little checklist. Does it? Now, you'll have some, you'll have some things you'd be doing right with God, but it ain't a checklist, is it? What about what the things you are doing? Right? And so uh, uh, here, when we, we're going to get down, we'll come back tonight. Brother Reed, you come on. We'll, we'll, we'll come back tonight. Miss Snow had to step out. Miss Jessica, you, thank you, ma'am. Uh, and we'll come back tonight and start looking at this prayer a little bit more intimately. I just wanted to kind of lay the foundation. The foundation's been laid. We're in Jesus. There's nothing else that needs to be done for me and you to, to, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world. We don't because we don't care. We don't because we're selfish. We love ourselves. We don't want to take our time. We don't want to give our money. We, don't want we are too selfish. So what we, what we got to do is see these things about ourselves and come back to the realization that Jesus, without you, we can do nothing. And yes, I've failed. Yes, I've quit witnessing. Yes, I've quit telling people about Jesus. Yes, I've gotten cold. Yes, I've been critical. But I'm telling you this much, it stops today. And if you're saved, you know what? You can do that. Repentance isn't a bad word. Although why people fight against it. Repentance is a word of hope. It means you can change for the glory of God. 
But you got to come to the realization something's wrong. And you know part of the problem is most people would never admit anything's wrong with them. But folks, there's something wrong with us when we've lost a burden to see others get saved. There's something wrong. And when we've, when we've lost that, that, that love that we have for Jesus, and that's really that one comes before uh, that for others. But So let's just think uh, on these things today as you go out. We're done. I'm, I took a little bit more time. Stand to your feet. I apologize for that. But uh, appreciate you being patient because uh, I, I want to see some more in this, in this prayer that he's going to pray for us and uh, just look at some more things of it tonight. So you try to come back tonight if you're able. And we'll look some more into that prayer. Uh, this morning, if you need to come, Brother Reed's going to sing a song, a verse. 51. You sing along with him if you can. And if you need to come to the altar, you're certainly welcome to Brother Reed.